Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Is that good? Yes, sir! I know who I am! Did IQs just drop shot? I could have been. I have planned. I like this All shit. It is a lost will. You know it's Dance off, bro. It is your Me and Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Hello and welcome to Atlantic Screen Connection Episode 9 with Jason and Lee. Hi. Hello. And so that's it. <laughs> it's been a busy, busy week for us all. Uh, the show on Seven Samurai is out. We're expecting feedback momentarily. Seems to be going all right. In Terminator 2, we got great feedback on Terminator 2 episode. Some people called us geniuses, which was always flattering. <laughs> yeah, I got one comment uh, from Sheila that said she loved us. So, I mean, that was great. <laughs> all right. And I sent her big hugs. So, Sheila, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, again, the guys from Nerd on Nerd podcast big shout out to yeah that was yeah those absolutely guys are wonderful that's it and on today's show uh well i guess you guys have probably seen the image by now we're going to be talking about the 2016 ghostbusters uh we're going to do our best to not compare it to the original uh because i particularly don't have any ties to it i don't really care i don't know how you feel about the original ghostbusters sir i uh i enjoyed it and, and uh watch it regularly enough but I, I i don't think it really relates to the film we're going to discuss <laughs> good all right yeah no I, I mean i think it's fun i showed my daughters what it was you know and the, yeah they never really asked to see it again so it's something that i can avoid i mean i've seen it so many times i remember my parents taking me to see it at the drive-in theater when it came out when I was six years old. So it's been part of my life for almost you know, it's for 30 years now. I couldn't care less. I don't care about the lore or anything like that. The actors in it, it's a happy accident. Yeah, That's exactly. how I yeah. see the Ghostbusters as a happy accident. However, on this week's show, we're not going to be talking about it anymore. Hopefully, anyway. Maybe we'll have to draw some conclusions somewhere. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say a couple of things, but not specifically about a comparison, okay? <laughs> yeah, because to me, they, they, they live on their own. They're their own entities, and I think that they warrant judgment as their own entities it's yeah. not something that we need uh, just because one did something better than the other doesn't mean that you know one was better than the other it's just creative choices pretty much so what's new with you lee yeah man not much uh i uh busy doing reviews working <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm still busy. I have so much correcting to do. Uh, I can't believe yeah. this is a recurring thread that it's it's followed you into the next episode. Oh yeah, well, that's what you, that's what happens, man. You teach college, you get a lot of papers at the same time <laughs> because they have they're all in the same week, right? So mm. if you have a due date for one specific class, you can't give extra time to the next class just so that it makes you feel better. Uh, I should be able to finish it though. I'm I'm going to be correcting roughly five hours a day for the next six days Great. so that I can kind of get on top of it, which is intense to say the least that but, sounds nightmarish <laughs> uh, yeah it is yeah, all right. <laughs> but lee and i have decided to shake things up a little bit on the podcast yes unfortunately it's it's the end of days for the old trailer segment as you may have noticed from the previous episodes uh waning interest in trailers and also a general disregard for trailers in general has led us to believe that if we want to mention them we'll mention them in what we watched this week but why do we have to set aside time when jason's not going to watch dog eat dog <laughs> well 
I think that the consensus that we had come to is based on, I think it's episode four on Hail Caesar. No, episode three on Hail Caesar. Yeah, yeah. Where we had decided to start avoiding trailers altogether just because we wanted to walk into the movie theaters surprised. And to my for myself, and I don't know, I might be speaking for Lee right now. I, I don't think you're speaking for me. I think I know exactly where you're going with this. What I'm trying to say is essentially that I want to practice what I preach and I'm not going to subject you guys to something I won't subject myself to exactly right? so i want you guys to be as surprised as us when you walk into the movie theater and so although i i agree that trailers are necessary i think that if you guys want to see it it'll be your job to go see it whereas lee and i are just going to be like oh, okay this is coming out this is something that looks interesting just by the blurb or the synopsis or something like that and we'll exactly. walk into the movie theater and have a better surprise a better experience without getting spoiled so taking the whole trailer segment out of the show is a necessary step for us to keep moving along uh, Definitely. Not only it's less time consuming uh, for us in the editing room, poor Lee's <laughs> been editing like a madman. Yeah, However, yeah. to go against all that, to, to kind of just add a little bit more uh, variety to the show, we are going to be starting, starting next week a Paul Thomas Anderson retrospective. Yeah. Uh, where we're Very going excited to be, about this. That's going to be great. We're going to be starting next week with the Hard Eight and Boogie Nights. And so that's it. We'll try to catch a few new releases here and there when we get going. But for now, uh, we felt the need to kind of go back and give you guys, I don't know, or, or just please ourselves. I think it's basically yeah, it. Absolutely. Matter. I'm seeing this as a learning experience because I have absolutely no exposure to Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, and I feel this is the necessary push I need to catch up with what people are calling one of the most uh, important directors of our time. So here we go. Let's do it. Starting next week. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Paul Thomas Anderson to me is the best working director right now. I um, and this is going to be a fun little uh, refresh for all the movies. I've seen them all. Uh, I haven't seen them all in the theater, however, but I'm really looking forward to revisiting his early films uh, because I haven't watched them in a while, and I yeah. haven't necessarily tried to approach them from an al- analytical standpoint. And yeah, so it'll yeah. be interesting to see because that guy knows how to shoot a movie, and it's going to be great. Can't wait. So that brings us straight in to what did you watch? Watch this week where we can include trailers if we want <laughs> if we to, want <laughs> or just go straight into movie talk so lee let me ask you what did you watch this week i didn't watch a trailer uh to, to keep good to keep good in my word i didn't watch a trailer i did watch two films i but i reviewed them and i don't really want to talk about them today but i will let you know it very briefly Deepwater Horizon, uh, the Mark Wahlberg disaster film about the 2010 oil rig disaster in the Gulf of Mexico, is what I thought was a very impressive, very good movie. And uh, I I recommend people to see it. I'm not going to review it on this, but I think that that was something worth mentioning. It was a great film in my eyes, uh, which took a lot of good, which made a lot of good decisions and avoided making a lot of bad decisions, more importantly. But, and I also watched a zombie film called The Girl with All the Gifts. Jason hates zombies and he's, he's scared of zombies, so I don't want to talk about that film because it will scare him. <laughs> no, hearing about it is not a problem. It's just me sitting sitting there is, is a problem because then after that I have very terrible nightmares because yeah. it's just the way my mind works. These images stay in my head and I end up going nuts for a week. I'll admit I'm not great with zombie films either uh, or horror films in general. And when I sat down and then the title started to play, it dawned on me that I I had actually walked into a horror film of sorts. At least that's what I thought at the start. It wasn't actually a horror film. I, I started to panic in my seat. I was just going, oh, God. Oh, what have I done? Why did I do this? What am I doing this for? <laughs> 
It turned out great, though. I, I, I don't want to really, again, I've got a review for it already on Big Picture Reviews, which you can see, but uh, I, I, I do recommend seeing it if it's around, if it's nearby, if, you're, if you've got a day to kill and it's in the cinemas. But I wanted to focus on something I had seen this week that I'm more interested in talking about. I want to set a little time aside to actually go into a, a couple of problems and good positive things I had with it, sort of like a mini-review. And that would be first half of uh, Look Cage, the Marvel Netflix TV show. Still not sure what I am. I'm just living my life, day to day. You should be out there helping people. You think I asked for any of this? I was put in some tank like an exotic fish. Came out with abilities. I just want to be left the hell alone. Well, that would be a waste. Harlem. Perpetual symbol of hope and prosperity. Too much happens in the shadows. People fear what they can't see. This place is our reputation, our legacy, our blood. Made every businessman squeeze them hard. Everybody wants to be the king. Sometimes if you want justice, you have to get it yourself. Wow! Hungry arms. Wow! Hungry arms. Give us the money. I don't like your tone. <laughs> you have my word, ma'am. I've got you. From a city where having a heart is not suggested. I'm a maverick attacking backs, I'm a savage. I'm cleaning braces with tongue and vacuum. You wanna go to war? I'll take you to war. You might be bulletproof, but Harlem ain't. This city is supposed to represent our hopes and dreams. Cause my heart Fight for what's right every single day. Yeah, my heart is full of you. Why don't you just tell us your name? The whole neighborhood is yapping about how two goons got the beat down last night. I heard it was four guys. <laughs> Okay, the new show. It came out, what, a week ago? Uh, yeah, it was on Friday, I think. And uh, so I burned through seven episodes on Sunday. So I have, I think, Jesus. six or seven more to go. <laughs> Talk about that binging. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I don't really binge often. I don't even really watch TV often. But I've really enjoyed the Marvel TV shows to date. With okay. a particular note to Jessica Jones, which is absolutely fantastic TV. But I don't really talk about TV uh, that much, and I want to talk about Luke Cage because, obviously, it took up quite a bit of my time this week, and I also have something I want to approach about it because it's been on my mind and I've talked to a few people about it, and that is its introduction. Now, I have a, a four-episode rule with TV. I can sit through four episodes of any TV show, and by the end of that fourth episode, I can make an assessment whether I want to watch more. So if it can't grab me by the end of the fourth episode... 
in any right. particular way that I want to see more, I'll dismiss it. I'll say I give it its fair shake, but that's it. Look, Cage, I so wanted to dismiss it by episode one. And by episode two, I was still considering it. So I, I pushed onto Twitter uh, to, to do an experiment to say, hey, if you're going to be watching Luke Cage this weekend, try and uh, watch it from episode three and see what you miss. The response I got about these people who just went, my god, those first two episodes were terrible, was insane. And I wanted to draw attention particularly to the very opening of the pilot. The first episode has this scene. It's, and it's set in a barbershop. Uh, and I wanted to take this as a chance to look at, very quickly, a uh, colloquial discussion and how to do it and how not to do it and how Luke Cage fucks it up. <laughs> Oh, this will be good. Keep going. So, first episode of Luke Cage starts up in this barbershop. Uh, Luke Cage is sweeping hair, and he's got these kind of locals. There's the guy who cuts the hair, he owns the shop, and then there's a couple of kids who spend a lot of time around the barbershop, and then there's this old guy and his friend who play chess in the corner. And it's this nice kind of image. It sets up like a sort of background that you go, these kind of guys in Harlem, they all kind of community, they live together, it's fine. They start talking to each other. And I actually, I want to inject a, a little bit of a scene here. I just want to, I, I want to get a snippet of dialogue. So, listen to this. Phil Jackson overrated, B. Anybody can win with Jordan and Kobe. Phil ain't no Pat Riley. Oh, Riley again. Here yeah. we go. I mean, Pacino. Now, I get why that white boy makes your free haircut list. The Godfather and Scarface guaranteed that man an eternal ghetto pass. Carlito's way too? Mm-hmm. But Pat Riley? Yeah. Why does Pat Riley get so much love in the shop? Right. Even punk-ass Derek Fisher got more rings than Pat Riley. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Knicks played like men when Pat Riley was head coach. Oakley and Ewing went hard in the paint. Plus, Anthony Mason and John Starks. Drive the lane. You might go home in a body bag. All right, now I heard that. Later with all that Instagram and let's all max contract out in the same team together bullcrap passing his competition nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Pat Riley sign those Instagram dudes down in Miami when he became the GM? Maybe. But King James is the truth. LeBron can ball. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you grasped it, but did it feel like you didn't really know what the fuck they were talking about? And did you get the impression that they might not sound like real human beings in any way, but the screenwriters were trying to convince you they did? That's a huge problem, uh, because this is literally the first scene of the show, and not generally I want to say how off-putting that is, and I want to also bring up an example of when this was done right. So next I'm going to play a quick clip from a little scene, maybe 15 minutes in to Dope. The film is a 2015 film. I talked about it on the show a good number of episodes ago. Here's a clip of the main character talking to a drug dealer. Yo, man. I be seeing you and your little friends with y'all flat tops and MC Hammer pants riding around and shit looking like y'all came out of the DeLorean or some shit. Fuck is up with that shit anyway? You know, the, the 90s, it's like the golden age of hip-hop. Everything from takes a nation of millions to the blueprint was killing it. Guess me and my friends just wish we grew up back then. It takes a nation came out in 88. Blueprint came out 2001. What the fuck are you talking about right now? Technically, um, but you know, the spirit of the music was definitely still 90s. I mean, takes a nation uh, straight out of Compton, paid in fools ahead of their time. Then you got Snoop, Biggie, Wu-Tang. They took the game to the next level. Blueprint was kind of like the punctuation mark. Let's not forget, the 90s also gave us Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, 
Damn, we can't forget about the Fresh Prince. Yeah, everything in the, in the 90s wasn't great, but, uh, shit. Man, you gotta admit, Summertime was a classic. Did you kind of catch the difference? Now, this, the premise is more or less the same. These are, they are talking about a bunch of stuff that, to most audiences, they won't understand what it is that they're discussing. You, you're supposed to get stakes out of it. Now, Dope does this so much better because it takes its time to convince us that uh, this character knows what he's talking about, but it doesn't leave us behind entirely. It gives us a number of terms that we can place ourselves under, under the discussion, and it gives us a, a, enough back and forth that we see that one character actually reacts to another. The problem with Luke Cage is it doesn't show any real reactions for about five minutes and then everybody just flies off the fucking handle. We're given a lot of information, but none of it means anything to the characters. So where do we stand? You know, it just shows that they all talk about sports. Who the fuck cares? Dope shows that when approached, this kid knows how to defend music that he actually cares about. It's the difference in approach that defines the screenplay. And also the fact that this happens later on in Dope's screenplay helps us already know where the character lies before being introduced to what makes him interesting. The fact that this is the first thing we see of Luke Cage, you're immediately like, who is he? Who's the main character? What is this scene? It doesn't make any sense in its placement. The other thing that's annoying about this is that it doesn't represent the tone of the show. It's literally, if this were representative of what the show would go on to be uh, a little more urban and hip and fast-paced sure this would be kind of ind indicative of what the show was about but the actual show takes a more typical good versus evil slow lecture pace and uh, people talk to each other without all this referencing and it, it, it kind of cuts off after that first episode this was a huge problem getting into Luke Cage and I just wanted to confirm that if that if you've had that problem too watching the show it gets much better but it's so off-putting and so poorly handled at this very beginning that what's the discussion on whether it's worth actually following through on past episode one and that's a shame because there's a lot of good work in the show some of the writing does get better by the end we get a good sense of the characterization as we go along Luke Cage is fun guy to be around the people he lives with the people he talks to are fun characters to be around why they chose to open it this way it only seems like they were reaching desperately for street cred yeah that's what I was going to say that no one is ever going to give them because they do it wrong and the fact that they also then sacrificed a little bit of the vision they had for the rest of the show shows it right. is a good reason to start dismissing the writing from the very first beat so i just wanted to get that off my chest a little and uh let everybody know that look cage is worth watching okay that's what i was going to ask you next it's like okay well is this a recommendation or not yeah, yeah. by episode four by episode three the, the the plot kicks in better by episode four the plot gets into action and by episode seven i'm actually hooked okay there are actual characters twists that actually mean something to the story and I want to see where this goes and for that at least at this midpoint I think Luke Cage is worth spending time with but at the same time that introduction I, I can understand why people are completely disregarding this show but that, that's good it's a fair it's a fair warning I'm one of those guys that's now suffering from superhero fatigue and I couldn't care less anymore it took me months to finish Daredevil season one and I still haven't finished season two yeah fair enough uh, I'm having trouble kind of just understanding what all the fucking hype is people oh it's so well written there are characters in there that I don't give a shit about at all the <laughs> budding romance between what's his name Foggy Foggy, Foggy and, and that and other Karen. chick I have, whatever and <laughs> so I, I just don't care I mean the only guy that I really really loved was John Barenthal's Punisher I was like this is awesome sure he was fantastic he was a scene stealer every fucking time absolutely I, agree everybody was talking to me about uh, I remember when Daredevil came out initially they were talking about Vincent D'Onofrio Wilson Fisk and I don't know 
know what the fuck it is with Vincent D'Onofrio and making these strange choices when he's acting. I, someone should tell him to just calm the fuck down on a couple of things. You I, know? I heartily disagree. I, I've loved Vincent D'Onofrio in almost everything I've seen him in in the last three years. And I hope he continues yeah, to well, be fucking crazy all the time. I would disagree completely with you because he played the villain in Jurassic World. And although that my movie, favorite I, part I, of that movie <laughs> He was he was a mustache twirling villain that you could see coming a mile away. He was giving nothing to work with. He was I, I don't giving understand, nothing to work like, with. So he turned that into into gold. He, okay, well he's in the you're film. Your uh, he's in the I, film. I they literally that. wrote a character who was going to use velociraptors to win wars in Iraq <laughs> and Afghanistan. What Whatever. what tone do you bring to that role? <laughs> You don't take the role. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm completely wrong on this, and I have no argument. I don't know. I don't think. I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think most people agree with you. I just disagree that, with you strongly. <laughs> okay, fine. But even that, even Wilson Fisk in in Daredevil, I felt no sympathy for him. His entire backstory of beat of a, being a beaten, abused child and whatnot. I couldn't care less. I didn't care about how he was suffering and things like that. And I don't care how good the production value is on Daredevil. I just had so much trouble getting into that stuff because the episodes go on forever I, it felt so fucking long and uh, so much so that I didn't even give Jessica Jones a try because I, I'm tired of superheroes now I'm so goddamn tired and people are gonna be like oh my god this guy's insane I'm, I can I can this feel this guy's it. insane Uche <laughs> I can feel Uche. I can feel Uche just going nuts right now if he's listening to this right now. Like, oh my God, Jason's insane. He needs to be locked in a fucking room, you know, with pills and shit. But I, I just can't take it anymore. I'm tired of it. Luke Cage. I, I'm, I'm apparently the soundtrack's great, so I might tune in for that because I used to love that music when I was a kid. Sure. And I'm looking forward to seeing what it's about. But I usually, you say you have a four episode rule. I have a four minute. If after four minutes, I'm still wondering what the fuck is going on. I am out. I don't care anymore. I don't have that much time on my hands i'd rather try to study something than try to convince myself that something is good there's a reason why star trek beyond was the best summer blockbuster this summer <laughs> it what it was different do i hear the sound of a segue could we ask jason what he saw this week oh my <laughs> no i wasn't even doing that i was good enough all right well i that's what i watched this week i after watching the ghostbusters 2016 i needed to wash uh, the sour taste in my mouth and i uh, decided to flush it down with Star Trek Beyond uh, because it came out on uh, on uh, iTunes this week and I was able to uh, to get it and I watched it and it, although it's not as impressive as it was on an IMAX screen I still had a really fun time watching this and I love how Justin Lin was able to uh, make the movie feel big yet small at the same time yeah. it was such a beautiful experience you know and it, it, he captures it so well in the opening sequence when Kirk is presenting the gift to the race of aliens that I, I forget yeah. what they're called and I, I apologize to the trekkers or trekkies out there <laughs> you know who you are but it was interesting how lynn decided to frame those those small aliens in this big 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 format where you're like oh my god kirk is gonna get it and when the alien shows up at the bottom of the the little hill like they're in their parliament so to speak yeah and then he turns out to be small i thought that was a very interesting metaphorical way of showing just how the movie is going to be that is you think it's going to be this big but it's actually going to be this big it's a very personal story and i thought it was interesting because you actually felt that there might actually be stakes in this one that spock gets hurt and he's he's no longer everyone's out of their element yeah mm -hmm. they're paired with different people and i thought that that little shake-up that little mix-up was interesting 
interesting. Uh, it, so it was yeah, bro- it to was me that, that's why. I, I know there are some people out there that thought it was boring and they didn't particularly enjoy it. And you know what? I think that out of the whole blockbusters that we got this summer, I if I were to crown a champion, I have to give it to Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. Because they did something no one was expecting. Yeah. And and it was great. I thought it was really really fun. They did their own thing. Admits the criticism that Justin Lin was getting. Oh, he's going to turn it into the Fast and Furious. And you know what? Yeah, there's yeah, a few that, elements here and there uh, that you could probably that, point out. To be fair, if that was the fucking Fast and Furious take of Star Trek, it was great. Um, it, it clearly shows how good Fast and Furious has gotten in the last couple of years. Yeah. What a what a yeah. huge leap. Uh, I yeah no I agree. This this film holds its own with the the Abrams films. Uh, I I enjoy oh, it. It's my favorite of the three right now. Right. If I were to look at it, I think it'd be my favorite of the three. I don't because... I don't think it tops the first one for me. But um yeah I understand. It's just that like for me in terms of origin stories it's more of like let's get this out of the way and like in the last 20 years now or i'll say 16 since like the spider-man came out there's just been an overabundance of origin stories so that even if this was a, a reboot of the franchise the origin story to me is something that i can put aside now where i'm like okay take me on an adventure and to me this is where the real star trek is actually starting sure we are going on an adventure with these people i'm not getting to know these people anymore and so to me that's why it makes it a little bit better i i agree with that entirely it was something i actually wanted from the second one that didn't happen uh Mm -hmm. because it opens with this great just like mini adventure uh on this planet with kirk and spock kind of running away from this exploding volcano thing and that was it's still my favorite part of that entire movie and i was like why can't we have more of that why can't we just watch that movie uh they did that they finally they just did that the star trek 3 is that it's just the mini episode where they got marooned on the island or the well sorry planet and uh it's a great concept and it was super fun to watch because it's more of what I wanted to see and what I enjoy watching more, I've, I, I rank it above the second one a little bit, uh, but I like the first one because I enjoy getting to know these characters. And I like, sure, origin stories are so commonplace these days. I, I don't really worry about how much of a type of film is being made in a day because in 20 years it might not be the case and then we're still going to look at the good ones. And I think Star Trek was amazing. So <laughs> The thing is, is that at least it was a little bit different in my opinion. There was a lot of humor involved with it. These were characters that I thought were endearing, but at the same time, I felt that there were more stakes in this, and it got me a little bit more engaged with what was going on versus the other things that I saw over the course of, of this year. You know, Deadpool aside. Right. So yeah. So that's about it for what did you watch this week? Is there anything else to report, sir? Uh, yeah. I, my cooking and dancing shows are going great. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I haven't talked about Mr. Robot in a while. Yeah, I know. That's... How's that going? And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) And so that's it. So that's going to close out our segment on what did you watch this week? Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about Paul Feig's latest and um, eager to see how Lee felt about it. You guys got a little glimpse about how I felt about it. Um, I've watched it three times, but let's see now. People know me for my reserved nature. That's okay. She seems peaceful. My name is Erin Gilbert, Doctor of Particle Physics. Ah! 
That stuff went everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. Aaron, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. I'm joining the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. <laughs> uh, you didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. And we might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on! The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? There's a bigger picture at hand here. These ghosts can possess the human form. The devil is a liar! Get out of my friend! Ghost! Ow, that's gonna leave a mark! The power of pain compels you! Ow! And we're back. I hope you guys enjoyed the trailer because, technically speaking, I think it's the one that's been the voted down the most in in YouTube history, the most yeah, disliked. That's what I was looking disliked. for. The most disliked trailer I mean, in YouTube one. history. The trailer, the first trailer that dropped for Ghostbusters 2016, starring Kristen Rigg, Leslie Jones, Kate McKinnon, Melissa McCarthy, Chris Hemsworth, and directed by Paul Feig. And then after that, starring every other fucking Sony product there is right now including bill murray including bill murray (laughs) yes very much so so i just want to preface this by saying we apologize in advance for turning this into a highly negative episode but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes uh I, i don't i don't i don't refer to it as negative i think we're being fair and i wanted it's kind of like uh like csi movies i just want to understand what went wrong because i wanted this to be good and i want to know why you ended up where you did why uh, along the way why i ended up where i did mm-hmm. and and where this could have come from you know why what what happened in general that yeah this was the film we ended up seeing you know <laughs> uh yeah uh, it, it came out of nowhere actually uh we were looking for something to, to to review and um i hadn't seen that i wanted to to, to watch it so that i could show my daughters who by the way i think will enjoy this movie Oh yeah, I'm, I'm certain kids would love it. And that's it. That's that's where we're gonna have to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> I um. Anyway, so no, I meant the negativity because I, I gave my whole. I just vomited on superhero genres as a whole. And just, <laughs> this constant. This is this constant where people are gonna be like, let's tune in to hear Jason bitch about something this week. <laughs> yeah, progressively more jaded each episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they just have to make better movies. Um, <laughs> No tall order. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this it's going to be a breath of fresh air for me to talk about Paul Thomas Anderson next week. I'll, you'll see. Yeah, it's going to be a go. very excited Jason next week to be like, and did you see what he did with the camera here? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's going to be great. But anyway, so let's launch into this. Ghostbusters 2016 has been probably the most divisive film of 2016. I would, I would imagine. That yeah. one, uh, along with Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how to start this conversation except to say, uh, Lee, what did, did you like anything about it? I I did. Let's let's start with the positive. Let's start with the positives. Yeah, okay. Um uh in general, I left the film pretty okay. You know, I didn't outright hate this film. I hit a lot of things about it, but I didn't outright hate the entire piece, you know, the entire picture. I think in my review I gave it like a, a B or a B minus. I, I thought it was like pretty standard, right in the middle. I, you know, there were parts that I was actually invested in, not because of the characters. That's a that's a negative. I'll sneak that there, but I was invested in the set pieces and the action and the visuals and the kind of like the story. I wanted to see where the story went, and I think it does a decent enough job trailing you along, despite. Some of its more questionable uh, methods. Right. I I I I did want to see where it went, and I also didn't find it totally uh, unfunny. I there were bits that made me laugh. At the at the very start, it made me laugh. Uh, none of the dialogue made me laugh, but like bits and pieces of the scenarios made me go, well, okay, that setup is kind of funny. They're not doing it right, but it's kind of funny, you know. So generally, I, I didn't I didn't hate the film overall, but I also would be very remiss to watch it again. I was pretty satisfied knowing that was the end of it, right. <laughs> and I would be done with it for good. Okay. But what did you think? Your positives. What? Give me some positives. Well, my my positive was the opening of the movie. Yeah, I think the opening of the film was really fun, and uh, we were talking with um, what's her name. The, the girl that we talked with on Twitter this week? Uh, Chelsea. Chelsea Williford. Okay, Chelsea Williford. She said shout something. Shout out to her. Yeah, big shout out to Chelsea. We had a long-ass conversation where Lee and I just jumped at her to get her impressions because she really enjoyed <laughs> yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to that a little bit later. If you want to look up Chelsea, she's at Jana Williford. So much Twitter, fun to so talk to. A... It was really fun. Lovely. And um, the thing is, is that I agreed with her because I had wrote this down in my notes as well. And I've thought that the opening of the movie set the stage for a Scooby-Doo episode. And I, yes, I liked that. I liked the idea. I remember uh, my my girlfriend was sitting on the couch next to me and she had zero interest in seeing this picture. She was like, really? You're going to watch this? And I was like, I got, I got to it. We're going to be doing it on the show. And she was like, ugh. And I was like, okay, I guess. And then when Such I, shame. I wrote down like Scooby-Doo episode. And I'll be honest, I would have been on board with that. Oh, yeah. I would have been 100% Definitely. on board with that. You know, the bubbles coming up from the floor, you know, is a complete departure from the subtlety of the opening sequence in the original. And I know I'm not supposed to be talking about it, but anyway. And I'm fine with that. I thought that it showed we are going to go a very different route. And I thought yeah. it was going to be excellent because of that. But exactly, it, then it falls apart for me after the opening because the opening now is completely jarring with the rest of the movie. It's oh a my different God, tone yeah. completely. It, it, it introduces a something of a madcap supernatural thriller. Yep. And that's not what you get. No. You get a some some more formulaic comedy with a sort of backdrop of ghost hunting and stuff, which never really takes precedence in any way. 
And that's about it. <laughs> well, that's it. And then the other positive that I enjoyed, I liked Leslie Jones' performance in specific places of the movie. I also liked Kate McKinnon in specific places in the movie. Totally agree. Yep. Um, but other than that, let's see. Oh, I like... Um, I, this is going to be very nitpicky for me because uh, I'm trying to really find the positives in the movie. I like the yeah. uh, I like the idea that uh, um, like Kate McKinnon, McKinnon dancing with blowtorches was fucking. I made me crack up so much. I was like, she is dancing with blowtorches. This is amazing. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think visual. this scene worked at all in the movie. But just seeing her dancing with blowtorches was hilarious. Uh, and I think that's basically what I liked about the movie. And that's a pretty short list, Jason. It is. <laughs> I, I can say this, however, I watched both the extended cut and the theatrical cut. Yeah, man. What were you thinking? <laughs> well, it's because when I, well, this is what happened is I started watching the extended cut and then I started talking about things that I didn't like about the movie. And then you were like, that's not in the theatrical cut. And oh, I was like, yeah, oh shit. Right. Well, that means I have to watch the theatrical cut now because if I'm going to have a conversation with Lee, we have to be talking about the same fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. I, li- I love that this was a reversal of what happened on Terminator 2 when I watched the extended cut of that. <laughs> and I had to like, cut out half of what I was talking about because i didn't realize (laughs) (laughs) but that's it so this is one of the fun things is that i went and i watched the worst possible version first the extended edition is really really bad it doesn't imagine exactly but that's the thing I watched the theatrical cut after, and I was like, oh, this is much better. The choices they yeah, made are so much this is, better. This is pretty tight. <laughs> exactly. and it There's like a vision. <laughs> I was watching the theatrical cut, and I was like, oh, oh okay. God. They really took out a lot of the stuff that I didn't like. It still doesn't work as a movie, but it's much no, tighter. Yeah. It's much neater. It just... Just shows you how much worse it could have been. <laughs> exactly. I mean, even in the extended cut, Kristen Vig actually has a boyfriend, kind of, and oh he's God. nowhere to be found in the extended in the uh, the theatrical cut. And I was like, that was interesting because even in the extended cut, there with her relationship with that guy, it's sort of like the Sigourney Weaver, uh, Peter Venkman uh, style. <laughs> You know, the Dana and, and, and Peter relationship, but reversed. Oh, yeah, right, right, sure. You know, where he tries to kind of blow her off a little bit, but he's more, he's even more misogynistic. He's more of an asshole because he's kind of with her because it kind of raises his profile a little bit. So it's another, a little bit of a man bashing that's going on that, that kind of permeates this one. Yeah, exactly. They took this one out. They were like, maybe we went a little bit too far on the man bashing. Yeah, we should take this one out. Too blatant, too on the nose. Exactly. <laughs> but even in the sequence where Kristen Vig's character is talking to this guy, they cut in action to Melissa McCarthy and Leslie Jones ad-libbing uh, like how he would dance. You know, I don't know what the movie's obsession is with dancing, there's a lot of dancing going on in Ghostbusters. For me, it doesn't make any sense. Not in the cut I've seen. <laughs> there's more than you think. That's the funny thing about it, you know? Oh, well, yeah, I guess Kate McKinnon dances. Kate McKinnon dances? And, there, and, there, and there's a scene in a gig where a lot of people are dancing. There's yeah, that. There's... there's also the other scene where uh, just after they caught their first ghost, they're all dancing together. Oh, they together. all, yeah, they exactly. do a little dance. And there's also... I the... kind of like that moment, though. I thought that was cute. Ugh. And then there was another dancing <laughs> sequence at the beginning when they caught catch their first ghost. The celebration, and then you see Kate McKinnon yeah. dancing. When they also visit the uh, fucking fire building that's supposed to be the ghostbuster headquarters yeah 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 yeah. then you see kate mckinnon and mccarthy just kind of dancing around in there as well so it's just Uh, dancing everywhere in the fucking movie that is way more than i realized even the part i said i enjoyed was the first time round, not the one that i just said i enjoyed Uh, i like their little tiny celebration dance i don't like the full music number they got that i 
that I think I accidentally said I was in favor of. <laughs> anyway, so it's just odd to me because I was like, okay, if you're going to make a musical, go flat out. I would have watched the Ghostbusters musical. I would have. On top of this. killed for a Ghostbusters exactly. musical. That sounds amazing. <laughs> That's it. I mean, if you're going to go musical, go musical. It would have been great. But anyway, so as a positive, the theatrical cut is much better than the extended edition because in the extended edition, it just goes to show you how bad the pacing is of this movie. Even a re-edited version of the film doesn't even make it look better. It makes it look much worse, and the problems become more apparent. A complete antithesis to the Batman versus Superman extended cut, where you're like, oh, that's what that's doing there. It kind of explains itself a little. (laughs) Exactly. In this one, you're like, they're going to have a dance sequence... The one that's supposed to be in the credit scene at the end of the theatrical cut is now in the movie. The denouement starts the last part of the movie where you're supposed sure. to get that final action sequence. What's the point of that? What's the point of having them dance? Just to give the Ghostbusters more time to catch more ghosts? But I think the way that I'm looking at it right now, uh, the way that I'm trying to figure out how the movie, in my opinion, fell apart, is very much from a filmmaking standpoint. Oh, yeah. I really think that Paul Feig dropped the ball really bad on this one because his directing is choppy at best. Even in the editing room, I'm pretty sure the editor, poor him, had to work with what he had. And he said, there's no coverage. We can we barely have any shots that were the like they should have used a little bit more of the over the shoulder shot as opposed to just these straight cuts where you're under the impression that these people aren't even in the same scene together. There are certain places Mm -hmm. where the eye lines don't even match up, which I was like, this is filmmaking 101. How could you fail so poorly at this? Right. So even as I'm looking at it from a filmmaking standpoint and from here on for the rest of the show, that's what I'm going to be looking at. So anyway, I'm going to, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, filmmaking wise, uh, let's look at probably the part that's most important to making a good comedy work. Good. It's, and I would say it's not the jokes at all, it's characters. It has to be characters. We have to give a shit about who's involved in the jokes for the jokes to pay off, you yeah. know? I would I would say that while there are glimpses of characterization somewhere in this script, there are no characters in this film. Right. It, I struggled to see, even from the start, why we were focusing on Aaron, Kristen Wiig's character. Yeah. She's literally there to poop on everyone's parade. Yeah. Fair enough. Is that not a side character's job? And there's also never a point where we see any redemption of that character. She just flips a switch on and off every now and then to say she's either for Ghostbusters or against Ghostbusters and for no contextual reason that we could possibly gather. Right. To then tie that into a something of an emotional arc for the story, some sort of emotional payoff for Melissa McCarthy's character, Abby, Mm -hmm. that they try to unite these two, Melissa McCarthy's character also not having, it, it being more like a set agenda for the film. Rather than a actual character, she brings the tone of the comedy. She brings the plot of the comedy, and nothing else. You know, yeah, no, no, no emotional investment, no real stakes. The film tries to establish a relationship between these two, and I would say at the start, I kind of bought it a little bit. I wanted to see where they were going to go with it, but at the very beginning, when uh, Abby is drawn into uh, into their experiments, I was kind of there. I was thinking, yeah, all right, let's see what happens, because maybe they'll they'll actually get something out of this. Wow. 
Okay. But, what, but that almost immediately gets stolen away by the fact that it's the most contrived nonsense ever why she follows them. You know, she follows them outside to do this experiment and it, she basically does it because the script tells her to do it. Yeah. Not because of any reason that would make any sense why she goes, you know. Uh, and then she just kind of gets on board and never bring it up. And, and then later on, we got some really wedged in backstory nonsense that just comes and goes to try and add some flavor to this character but it doesn't work uh and then by the end there is a emotional warp hole where the story forgot to actually tie these characters together or any story at all and therefore we get some emotionalist payoff as two people get back together and say we're friends again everybody else is just a joke or something that gets the plot moving but nothing to invest in no emotions no stakes no characters no human beings are in this story uh and that's so disappointing because uh, i don't want to do this but I, I give it that one thing the first ghostbusters had was characters flaws warts and all some of them not even likable at least they were people yeah and I, that's the last i want to say about the fucking first ghostbusters <laughs> Good, yeah, let's move on then what i think i i understand exactly what you're saying and, and to me in my opinion i think that they really took the audience for granted oh yeah you know to me i wasn't even watching uh, aaron gilbert i wasn't watching abby yates i was watching melissa mccarthy and Kristen vig just kind of do their shtick and yeah. that's where I it fell apart for me because even like when the in the opening sequence of the film where we have that guy is doing his thing it's like it's a trick that he's playing on someone the scene cuts and then after that Aaron is is seemingly teaching a class she's got all of her equations on a board and then for comedic effect they go to an empty room and it's odd because if you're going to make that scene work if you're going to make the audience feel for that character you can't just show an empty room because then we're like oh her presentation hasn't started yet. And that's it. Oh, yeah. And then the guy that's walks in. Point. The guy walks in and he says, are you this person? And she's like, no. And they're like, well, what is he talking about? We're all confused, right? Yeah, yeah. Having a room full of people, okay, and have that guy walk in while she's presenting because he is scared shitless because of the ghost. Then you have everybody in this technological world that we live in now when he mentions the book that she wrote, everyone starts Googling it, and then they all start laughing at her. Then we understand, oh, shit, there's something she's not proud of, and now it's yeah. been outed. And now she has that, to live with that shame. And now You it can gives... imagine that scene being funny, you know? Like, you can imagine laughing at it. She's right in the middle of this big sort of scientific lecture, and then somebody comes in and, she, and bursts through the door and goes, She wrote a book about ghosts! Exactly. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> you know, just something like that where... And, and it, it kind of gives us, the audience, a little bit of, of um, how can I put it, a motivation for us to be angry at Abby as well. Because we are actually going to side with Aaron in this case where we're like, we don't like public ridicule either. And we'd understand because yeah. we would get angry in a situation like that as well. So you immediately invest the audience in understanding why this particular person has been slighted. But then after that, you can build on those scenes where you realize that Abby wasn't necessarily wrong and that person should embrace that, you bring the stakes yeah. of that side and you kind of have that dialogue that's created, but you weren't wrong. You should embrace this part of yourself and all that. Whereas now, yeah. if there's no one around, then there are no stakes. And so that's very, very odd to me that they would have not, they would have cheaped out, they wouldn't have filled those seats and they could have written that, that so much better. The idea that she's preaching to an empty choir just goes to show how disorganized this script was. 
if she's going yeah, to be yeah, a tenured definitely. professor, there is an audience for her. There are going to be people. She's fucking teaching math for Christ's sake. Yeah, right? this is. I mean, that it even feeds into some of the stakes they fail to capture later on in the film. Like, uh, there's the scene with Bill Murray, right? Oh God! If we had, and and by in my review, I state this as the worst scene of the film, the scene that proves there are no consequences. Our logic in this world, so nothing to invest in. Uh, even Dan uh, Aykroyd's is bad. So keep going. Oh, oh yeah, it's it's awful for all totally different reasons. But this one affects the plot somehow. Yeah, well, it you're actually, right. it's, it actually, it actually doesn't affect the plot. That's no, it, it tries the to affect stops. the plot, but. The movie he stops and raises stakes raises consequences shows a character turn and nothing happens after it to make it seem like that mattered at all exactly uh Aaron switches under the public pressure in her head to make sure that she gets her tenure and impresses the people she sees this opportunity to convince Bill Murray playing a respected scientist that ghosts are real she gets to turn the the table around and she can turn it around on her own terms but to do that, she has to do something incredibly reckless. That scene, in its conception, isn't terrible as an idea. Because we get to see how desperate she really is. Right. What instead they do is... Ha because from the start of the film, we have no reason for her to really believe that she still wants this tenure. Right. Because it's such a downplayed small moment at the very beginning, which then 20 minutes later, we've all but forgotten about because she never mentions it again. Right. That then when she turns around trying to impress Bill Murray... She looks like a crazy person mm -hmm. who just wildly out of character puts everybody at risk. Then that scene, to compound the fact that that character motivation goes nowhere and also there are no consequences to that scene mm -hmm. in which like they go to jail for murdering a person. Yeah. They murder Bill Murray and I had a real issue with the fact that the f it was a fall that killed him mm -hmm. because literally a scene earlier we see fucking uh, Melissa McCarthy's Abby bouncing off walls sh like... 10 feet up in the air, crashing to the ground, but a fall kills Bill Murray. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the opening sequence, the guy that's been thrown on the walls as well. Yeah, it hangs. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, there's supposed to be a bounciness, a cartoonishness to this world. It's right. established at that point. So we don't... We have a, a set of rules, and then they undermine that by having a character get killed right. within those rules. So then the world has no feel, yeah. you know, there's no, there's nothing keeping anything in line. And when you're trying to push a plot forward in a directionless, chaotic world, you won't attach yourself to it because you'll be like, well, why the fuck would I care? Nothing that matters anymore, right. <laughs> you know? And that's it. But the fact that that also, yeah, that ties into a character motivation at the same time. And that, like, at that crossroads of that scene is so vital and so disappointing that it destroys everything after it it's incredible <laughs> yeah but, i mean just imagine if you take bill murray's scene okay the where he comes in because yeah. he comes in on a tv at one at, at first and then after that he shows up at the ghostbusters office i think yeah. that if you were to re just use what you said earlier where like oh my god she wrote a book about ghosts if bill murray's the guy that's going to debunk all these people have him in that opening scene saying you shouldn't oh, listen to this crazy absolutely. person and say look she wrote the stupid book everyone leaves and then just happens to absolutely. be a guy the guy is walking in, the, the guy who has that mansion that they were talking about, and he says, you wrote about, I, I heard about you guys, I heard about that book, I'm sorry about what happened, but I, I, there's a haunting in the house where I work. And so you're like, oh, now we have grounds for everything. We've had Bill Murray's cameo. And then after that, it kind of adds weight to the sequence where she still wants to impress him because she, he ruined her fucking seminar. Absolutely. Abs it's, it's, it seems so simple, you know? Like, exactly. And that's, that's, 
that's the thing about the film is that it's not hopeless, you know? It's it's actually got some solid ideas for a straightforward, fun comic narrative that actually has a little bit of emotional stakes and a lot of character in it. And that's something I thought Faye did well with Bridesmaids, is that even if it's a bit of an iffy film, I knew there were characters in it, stakes in it, and I actually wanted to see the mostly unlikable Kristen Wiig character get some recourse. At least in that film, we see some exploration. Here, it's so much of the script is put down to, here's a set piece, and then they'll ad-lib their way to the next scene, and then there'll be another set piece, and they'll ad-lib their way. It's so disjointed that you can't hook into it at any point. Well, that's it. That's why I was saying earlier, they take the audience for granted. I was like, well... Yeah, absolutely. They, this, this is Kristen Dwig. They'll, they'll get it. This is Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Oh, they'll get it. These are funny girls. They'll yeah, get yeah. it. And you're like, oh, that's check it out. It, it's Bill Murray. They'll get it. And merely, you can't do that. You have to explain why these people are there. No. Otherwise, I don't care. Exactly. One of the things that I thought was funny, and this is not because of the movie, it's that the movie actually just starts when we meet Kate McKinnon's character, Holtzman. It's weird <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she's the only one that seems to be in the movie world, whereas McCarthy, yeah, yeah. McCarthy and uh, Vig seem to be just there. To me, there is yeah, the no act, chemistry. The actors on set of exactly. Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. There's no chemistry between them. And that stupid soup joke with the wonton fell flat every time for me. I didn't think it was a funny joke. It didn't go, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't mean anything. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. And so what I think was odd is that throughout the entire movie, no one shuts up. There's no room to breathe, right? Yeah. There's just too much talking that doesn't advance the story. And as a result, the pacing becomes off. And that's what I mean when it, the movie really starts with McKinnon's character, is that the exchanges that there are, just this blah, 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 that keeps going on, is very weird. There's one specific scene in which Leslie Jones, this is a very supposed to be a very interesting scene, where Leslie Jones is walking you know, just behind uh, backstage at the concert, and there's this... Um, this um, the mannequin that comes to attack her. Leslie sure. Leslie Jones could have played that one quiet and it would have had much more impact than just hearing her mumble, oh, this would have never happened to do this. She just takes everyone out of the scene because you're trying sure. to figure out, oh my God, build the tension by having her shut up. Sometimes a well-timed silence speaks louder than words, you know? Yeah, yeah. The suspense in this movie is completely taken out because there is never a moment of silence. It's constant ad-libbing to the point where you're like, fucking cut. Fig should have yelled, cut. If it's not, if it's not ad-libbing and it's not terribly scripted jokes, yeah. it's the soundtrack screaming at you. Or, you know, it's it's the, the special effects, the loudest possible monsters in your face getting, you know, yeah. like the fucking Slimer stuff. We didn't need to see any of that. None of it. He doesn't make any sense. He's a cameo that we didn't even need. And that's it. So <laughs> I, I didn't think I'd say this, but... To me, there's too much comedy in the film. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that, that, it's, it's more the pressure to be funny. Okay, I like that. Comedy can be in a film throughout and still be good, you know? It's the fact that I, I feel this film, uh, it was kind of like two different movies, both equally to blame, I suppose, or sort of responsible. One, a kind of quirky human story about friends that drift apart and they battle ghosts and reconnect. Mm -hmm. And the other, a studio-mandated... Ghostbusters reboot right. that said this is a comedy, you know, yeah. because the first Ghostbusters was funny and we're going to work in funny moments 
and you're a funny director, so you know how to make make the jokes. Yeah. I'm not going to approve a script until I laugh at every line or I see the potential of a kid laughing at every line. Right. I see, and it's such a cynical way to see a movie, but the movie actually demands you see it that way because it forces you to, to look at these Ghostbusters references, mm-hmm. these old Ghostbusters references, and literally... If you hadn't seen the first Ghostbusters, you wouldn't get them. You wouldn't get them at all. Nope. So the the fact they are there, and there are so many of them, screams that, you know, you have to look at this like it's the sequel to Ghostbusters. Which means you need to know that this is a movie that comes out after Ghostbusters, which means you need to know that it's a movie being made by a bunch of people to cash in on Ghostbusters 30 years after the fact. Yeah. But that's what it feels like, though. Yeah, and that's what that's what it feels like, and that's what it forces you to acknowledge, which is so weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, like the pressure to be funny, like you said, it is one of those things that I thought was uh, a terrible thing. Now you've put your finger on it, and I'll adopt that for the rest of the show because I think that that's what it is. Feig lets the camera linger too long on these ladies, and then I I'm pretty sure that he's having a fucking ball behind. The camera going, yeah, because they're friends. We're having fun with these (laughs) friends of ours. You know, we're gonna make a movie that's gonna make millions of dollars. Don't worry, it's a property that that's sure to make a buck. You know, it's 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 something we know. Yeah. But at the same time, they have to find where the funny is. Just saying shit doesn't make it funny. To me, the worst ad lib in the movie comes from Kate McKinnon. The worst ad lib in the movie comes from Kate McKinnon. And it's the one that she says, I can think of seven different uses of a cadaver today. That joke's punchline is in the wrong place. The today is emphasized. And just the way that McKinnon is, she's supposed to be a funny person. So she should know how to deliver a fucking line. And this one's the worst. I think that the joke is dumb and poorly executed. First of all, what does it even mean? (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh to this is uh this is Jason's oh to write a joke. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just a question that you know it, it. What is it? Is she slightly off? You know, it's like like maybe yesterday she could have thought of ten, or then tomorrow yeah. she'll think of thirty. What's going on? Yeah, you're, no, you're right. It, it, and it's just they're just saying saying shit. But that's the thing. It's. An, I, <laughs> like your painstakingly breaking down tr- over this. I'm like, trying. To, I don't get it. I'm just <laughs> trying to figure it out. Listen, I'll be honest with you guys, okay? Off the top of my head, I can think of way more things to do with a cadaver than she can in in le- way less time. Okay, today, today. <laughs> you know, and it's 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 not. It's not pretty to have those thoughts. I mean, I'm having trouble kind of <laughs> yeah. sticking together right now. And I, I mean, I think that if she's a scientist. She should have had these ideas backed up, right? Choose a different fucking number, first of all. Seven is safe, (laughs) right? If you're going to be weird, go all the fucking way. That's what she is. She's insane. They can't be weird. Hold on. I say, say something like, I can think of 19 different uses for a cadaver for what I'm working on right now. Yeah, right. Throw a little present progressive in there. Make it immediate, (laughs) right? That would cause people to feel disgusted in a funny way, where you're like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is she working on?" I yeah, you know, the- you're totally right. I there's a, there's there's a thing about explaining jokes that's kind of taboo, where you're like, you know, you you can't. It's not funny when you when you tell people how your your joke's funnier. But the point is that that's what <laughs> these people do. That's what that's the job of these people is to sit down and work out what makes. A joke funny, right. you know? Uh, it's their job. And they do this exact same process, and that's the best they came up with. That's the or that's what I'm that, saying. 
even if that were improv, that's worth keeping in the film. But that's they couldn't yeah, improv something else. I, you know, I'm not saying my joke is better. I'm saying if you're Just going to more sense. If, if you're going to have <laughs> some immediacy to it, if you want to get these people invested in something that's funny. You want to know why the fuck she would think that she could use a cadaver. She, yeah, thinking of yeah. seven different uses today, you're like, okay. People are going to be like, I hope this is not the first show you guys listen to. Go back and watch, listen to Terminator 2 or even Sing Street. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, I, I just, to me, just saying random things does not equate funny. I mean, uh, you remember when they go into the concert hall at one point, Wig says, oh, there's uh, a chicken frying itself in the library when the Japanese man is on the stretcher? Why did you even bother keeping that in the movie? I, d- I didn't remember that because my memory doesn't commit to things that don't make sense. <laughs> right. So that's it. But anyway, in my opinion, the Ghostbusters, in this case, they go from scene to scene without any proper motivation. Everything is disjointed. And then they have to start to ad-lib just everywhere, including the mayor's office, even the cat out of the bag sequence is another example of things just going on too long where they're arguing in places oh where you're like, just shut the fuck up, you guys. This is no longer funny. It's getting <laughs> annoying to the point where you're like, how, how are you guys even friends? You know? And it, and it uh, oh, yeah, definitely. It takes away all of the emotion that could have been interesting in the, in the end of the movie. Which brings me to the last point that I want to make is the stupid music and the editing. There's no, there's barely any music throughout the film. And then there's this swelling music when Aaron sees the ghost. Like she's just experienced something that, that, She's a born-again uh, ghost believer or something like that. And then they're filming it and they put it on YouTube. And I'm like, why is there a swelling of music in this point? Are we supposed to feel, oh my God, she's been redeemed. She's finally seen a ghost. How the fuck sure. does that even play in your mind as something that's worth highlighting? I don't get it. The music doesn't make any sense there. And then, no, and then no, after that, I... at the end, when she's diving down the portal trying to save her friend there's another swelling of music another swell and then you're like i don't get it what are you guys trying to do you know it didn't make sense i tried to like this movie i tried there are a few places that i did laugh leslie jones is the one that made me laugh the most yeah yeah and i think i i remember i remember a concert scene which has got the pterodactyl and she tries to play it cool that made me genuinely that was pretty funny i thought that was a funny scene i like the fact that people are taking the selfie and then she's like come on what are you doing that's that's funny i like that concept and it was very it was played down yeah so see that's to, you know that's how you do comedy to me i think if i would have seen the movie from leslie jones's character's perspective like starting from the the, the booth the point but, where she comes in yeah she wasn't accepted into a specific school for for things but she'd been stockpiling all this stuff on ghosts for a while and things like that and you build the character through there and then you start feeling sympathy for her because you're like she was right the entire time that's the cool yeah. part what a missed bring me leslie jones yeah yeah man hey? that's actually a really that's a really sad missed opportunity there oh it would have been great to see she her character be the focus. one that's right in the end you know yeah yeah that's oh that's that's really disappointing <laughs> and so that's it i think that in terms of like i said in terms of editing the it was just weird you know everything was disjointed in terms of how you piece a movie together in order to get like uh, the audience involved everything was shot reverse shot shot reverse shot and what whatever happened to cutting an action you know, in order to splice the dialogue, having reaction shots or whatnot. But that's it. Everything just feels so cold and inorganic, right? Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. As an addendum to our criticism, to help those of you in the audience still kind of pissed that we're talking very negatively about the film, you kind of like yes, Ghostbusters. bring in Chelsea's stuff. Chelsea is has got your back. <laughs> 
got a couple of quotes and uh she was i asked her i i read her review and it's a really it's a it's quite a positive review not an overly positive review granted but a reasonably positive review and i wanted to ask her why you know what what she got from it that i just didn't get from it and she says I like the characters, but I don't really care about them, other than these people are making me laugh. And you know what? Fucking fair enough. It might just not be our sense of humor. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I understand. Point is that there, there's definitely an audience for this. And the, Chelsea also says, and this is how she viewed the movie, that this was more of a casual movie. Mm-hmm. What happened? She just wanted to laugh, and for her, it ticked that box. And she made a comparison to the live-action Scooby-Doo, which, to be fair, made me laugh too. So, I mean, I get that. Yeah. It's fine. I don't think we're taking this too seriously. I, I feel I get that people will think we're taking this too seriously. but Oh, well, okay. I just want to put that out there that, no, I am not. I'm not reviewing this as as like i would review the godfather or something like that no no well, yeah clearly that's, not. I'm, I'm looking at like i said to me it was more a question of of the choices that were made and yeah, i understand exactly. that i'm not the one who made the film and it's pretentious of me to think that i would have done better and i'm not trying to say that i would have i'm just saying that from a filmmaking point of view this is a failure yeah no and i i'm in entire agreement i i'm not saying scene improvements and ideas and characterization i ex- wanted to explore what i thought made the film fall flat for me mm-hmm. But I, that's not to say that this is a 100%, this is how you have to view this film. Lots of people can enjoy this, mm-hmm. and I'm happy for them too. I want to explain why we didn't enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And I don't, want to, I don't want to make these comparisons to say that this film should have been either A, the original Ghostbusters, because oh, I don't care about that, as, no. we, as we approach, we don't care, uh, or B, a really serious, well-told story. And again, it's not entirely necessary we're just looking at why, where it could have gone in the same vein and tone that it was trying to get. Why it could have been better for what yes. it intended to be. Not just be a better film overall forever, you know. It's not like that. If you're going to make Scooby-Doo, make Scooby-Doo. Yeah, That's all right. I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wanted you to pick a tone. But I think that with, with everything that happened on the internet, it basically turned into this blob of shit that... That yeah, that the film felt self-conscious in that sense. It felt insecure. Yeah, over overreacting just to make a point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, which as as far as I'm concerned is where we should leave it. Uh, I think we've spoken enough about it. If you enjoyed the film, I am happy to not only hear your rebuttal, but also I am happy for you that this worked for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad that, you know, if this is where comedy's going and it has its own points to make and so on, I, I still don't think this is the best example for it, but I'm happy to see where this ends up. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I just, uh, from how I, it's not based on how I see other films, it's based on how I wanted to see this film. Yeah. And I think this film could have done a better job being its own film. And that's as far as the argument has to go for me. I agree. I um I know that people are going to be like, what the fuck is Jason? What's up his ass this week? <laughs> but, what's up his ass every week? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but I, I, I think that there is, like you said, an audience for this movie. I wanted to like it more uh, because I saw potential. When I saw, the, yeah. when I saw these names come out, I was like, oh, this is in good hands. Exactly. You know? And I feel like they took advantage of it. Definitely. And to me, that kind of puts me off wanting to see these people again i want things to feel earned and in this case nothing was earned and it kind of put me on the back foot for wanting to see these people possibly tackle another one of these because 
I'm hesitant because if yeah. this is the best they yeah. could come up with after 30 years, then it doesn't bode well for the future, in my opinion. It's true. I mean, you could argue this is development hell, and development hell never pounds out. And to be fair, I, I'm not entirely against the idea of a sequel. Uh, I, I, I kind of would like, I, I would like to see somebody make a story here, but I, uh, I, I would be more hesitant than any. Uh, I mean, did you see the characters? <laughs> like... I don't know, and, and the fact that they have never been able to successfully tell in a film format another Ghostbusters story. I mean, even the sequel is an, an exact retread of the first one. Right. Uh, that makes me wary that they just don't know how to, and that the concept lives and dies off the one idea, which is a great idea, but maybe not good enough to support a whole world. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it kind of lands on that for me. Well, I think that, yeah, it, I think to me it would be more a question of I want people to start trusting the people they hire if it, it, oh, if it oh is God. That, that's without a doubt i mean you're hiring people that clearly have talent and you're messing with these people and i don't think that that's fair there are a couple of things that i did find fun it's just that i think that it's very irresponsible to take your audience for granted in this case for a dollar you know they brought these people out in masses i understand that the trolls online probably did a, a messy job and all that but who cares who cares about them they're the people that are not going to go see your movie based on the pretext of that it's not what they want i i paid money to see this okay you have my money yeah. now and i want you guys to understand if anybody's fucking listening out there okay be sure of yourself that's the movie you guys set out to make is to tell these yeah. women these women were based on friendship they had an idea no one believed in their idea and they made it work and by making the movie you guys made you went against your own fucking message and that to me is the most disappointing of the film yeah. to go I, against absolutely. your proper message yeah I, I agree i think that's a good note to end it on because that really sums up how fucking disappointing this is it 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 fails in all of its attempts. You know, all of its good intentions are wasted, mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's a, such a sad note to end it on for Ghostbusters. Yeah, there was there was genuine hope here. Yeah, uh, and uh, and it just got squandered. And that's a real shame. For whatever reason, it didn't turn out the way it should have. Yeah, I just want to end quickly on saying that I I got a uh, mild online rift with a journalist from the Guardian in March. <laughs> with, right. with relation to uh, the Ghostbusters, and it was kind of funny. Uh, this mor okay. moron wrote um, a, 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 <laughs> this moron. A think piece. I think you mean our esteemed peer from the Guardian. <laughs> oh no, fuck him! It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not even gonna name him. It was really funny. I just decided to antagonize this guy because it was weird. Uh, he wrote an article called "Ghostbusters Reboot." Who are you gonna call for slimy sex with a specter? And it was just weird because. He decided to cash in on the whole gender issue that was that had risen out of of these the all female cast and all that, which I thought the gender was gender non issue. It was a brilliant idea. I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting to have a, a, a female perspective on it. I was in from the get go. I loved this idea. And sure. so what he basically did, he decided to shape a whole think piece around the fact that ghosts don't have bodies. And so why would gender be an issue? Because technically, if a ghost doesn't have a body, then it doesn't have a sex. And then I was like, okay, what the fuck are you right. talking about? And he went on <laughs> to write this really <laughs> dumb article, even mistaking Ray Stans for Peter Vakeman at one point. And I'm like, if you're going to talk about something, do yeah. your goddamn research. So yeah, anyway, right. if you guys want to see me shit on someone publicly, I'll attach my article because <laughs> I wrote a, I think it's a 3000 word response about the uh, sexual undertones in Ghostbusters as a response to his thing. 
because I thought that his argument was flawed. And which was fun because I got a response from him, which was kind of really pleasant for me because this goes to show I got a couple of likes on it, which was fun. And I said the article made its way all the way to the guy and he has called it a confused and somewhat bizarrely antagonistic response to his piece. And I simply answered that I felt that his argumentation was inconsistent, but he had really good ideas. And so my whole essay is about being consistent within your own theoretical framework. And so if you guys want to read a really weird essay about the sex in Ghostbusters, I'll put it in the, the edition here. But that's just to close out. To, yeah, fuck. I, I would love to read that. That sounds fucking hilarious. Just, but it's, it's just so dumb. I had a fun time writing it, but it is dumb. It is a dumb article yeah, yeah. that I spent a lot of time doing. So that's it. So <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, my, my, my time with Paul Thomas Anderson is going to be better than the time I had this week. I'm glad, I'm I'm glad sure we did well. this, though, because I'll probably sleep well tonight. Oh, yeah. You got all your, you got all your ghosts <laughs> yeah, exactly. out of your system. I you know? busted all the ghosts, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess that's it for us this week. That is it. Cool. Uh, my name is Jason Michael. You can find me at film underscore faculty on Twitter. Be sure to visit uh, my website, also film faculty. It's on WordPress. I've got people coming in and out now. Uh, David Hart at Pop Culture Case Study. Ashley Davis sent me another article I have to publish, uh, so that'll be up Ooh. sometime soon. It'll Great. be it'll be online by the time you guys hear this anyway, so go ahead with that. And please, 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 guys, if you guys are enjoying the show go write us a little review on itunes i would love to see what you guys are thinking all the interaction on twitter so far has been great we, we love the support amazing uh nerd on nerd you guys are fantastic i listened to your uh, podcast last night uh and it was just the first fucking 15 minutes with them talking about how they had trouble taking dumps which was a yeah, weird man, fucking conversation I that made me laugh to tears while love i was that driving they, yeah and so yeah it was it, great so uh, i think that's my sentiment i just took a giant dump on, on on ghostbusters but it goes with the nerd on nerd podcast so be sure to visit them and give them a, a listen they're great uh chelsea Williford, thank you so much for interacting with us on twitter as well we appreciate the fact that you enjoyed the film uh it's it's definitely a movie i can i can recommend and i hope that you guys watch it because i want people to see it uh, and if they can get something out of it that's good uh, I'm not going to yeah. judge that. Want, I'm not judging people. I think this is a good. I think this is a good case for people to look at a film that most people kind of like and be critical about yeah. it and try to understand what's not good about it and ask the hard questions. You know. Right. And so that's it. That's it for me. Thank you so much. I'm going to give the mic over to Lee so that he can plug his stuff, and I'm going to see you guys yeah. next week. I want to also give a shout out to uh, JD Duran of uh, In Session Film, who's been commenting on like our Terminator video and our, our Civil War video. We had a huge discussion over that. Oh man, that was awesome. Uh, that was so yeah, much fun. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was great. I feel bad we're plugging him on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if uh, obviously most people who listen to us will have heard of In Session Film, but great podcast. I listen to them all the time. So, but anyway, let's focus on me. <laughs> uh, my name's Lee Brady, and uh, I have my own website, Big Picture Reviews, which you can see at bigpicturereviews.co.uk. It's not just me; it's a couple other critics. Uh, we do mostly modern stuff, and hopefully, you'll check that out. You can see my Twitter at Big Pick Reviews. Bother uh, constantly. Message me. Tag me in your own reviews. I would love to read more. I love people dragging me into conversations. <laughs> so definitely, I've been having such a great time on Twitter lately. Uh, and thanks for watching. Or, sorry, listening. <laughs>
Thank you for listening. Keep interacting. We're going to be putting more polls out because we had a lot of fun uh, getting you guys to vote on polls. We're going to schedule some (laughs) polls and it's going to be great. We're looking forward to maybe uh, doing a little bit more of recent stuff because we've been kind of dragging our feet in terms of getting to the cinema. Well, Uh, Ghostbusters was this year. We did pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But we're going back again to the 90s next week. Right out of the 50s with Seven Samurai. We've really pulled it together. Oh, Oh, if you guys really want. Oh, that one was a good show. I love that show. Yeah, go check out that episode yeah, too. exactly <laughs> so i love you guys very much big hugs big kisses and that's it that's it for us this week thank you very much take care bye this conversation can serve no purpose anymore goodbye